Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Hello, this is Sam Chan, and I've been talking to you about success and stress. Success and stress. And the topic is stress in success, not stress to success. Stress in success. Because the bottom line is, the more successful you are, the more stressful it's going to be. And what do I mean by more stressful? That simply means to me is, it's going to be more consequential. So a smaller company makes decisions for 100 employees. A larger company makes decisions for 10,000 employees. Whatever decision they're going to make is going to be more consequential. Here you go bankrupt, 100 people go uh, lose their jobs. Here you go bankrupt. 10,000 people lose their jobs, so it is more consequential. And our last segment, we talked about eight stresses, and I want to talk to you about more of those stresses, because as you get successful, you'll need every one of these in your arsenal. The first one was, and all of them are with a question and a few words behind it. Question is, do my people get the vision? And the word there was alignment. Number two, are things getting done? And the words there were implementation and execution. Number three, how is a team working together? And the words behind that are healthy conflict resolution. Number four, do I have the team I need to get it done? And the word there was staff, S-T-A-F-F. And we saw it stands for strong, teachable, attentive, firm, and faithful. Number five, do I correct and reprimand? And how do I do that without collateral damage? And the words there were, the word there is discipline. Number six, who on my team shows me things I need to see? And the question, and the word there is perspective. Number seven, do my people recognize their gifts and use them? And the word there is security. Be the best you. And we ended on number eight, which is, are we developing people to reach the highest and best good? And the words there were leadership development. Let's keep plugging along. We're talking about stress in success. Number nine, what happens if and when I'm not here? And the word there is succession. I want to go two, three different ways on this word, succession. Everybody needs to know there will be a time that you will transition. There will be a time that you will transition. So people say, when should I start having a succession plan? I don't care how old you are. My answer is always the same today. Because you can wait to have a succession plan if you know the answer to one question I'm about to ask you. If you have the answer to this question, you can wait. Here's my question. If you know when you're going to die, do you know when you're going to die? If you know that, you're good. You can wait. But since you don't know, you got to be a better steward of the organization that you're leading by simply saying to yourself, 
I need to have a succession plan. So there are two kinds of succession plans. Catastrophic succession plan and a planned succession plan. A catastrophic succession plan is what would happen if something happens to you today? A truck backs up, you're dead. You get incapacitated physically for six month period. You get incapacitated physically for a long time. Uh, you, you mess up in some kind of legal, ethical, moral way. And uh, you are let go or you put in a rehab kind of a plan. So those are catastrophic things in which you are out for a period of time or permanently. And that happens like that. Most organizations don't have a catastrophic plan. They have some thoughts. Because what happens then is, if something goes wrong, now the people who have never thought about it have to think about the top of the organization, and that's usually the board. So if you are on a board, if you are serving on a board, if you're leading a board, when was the last time that the chairman said, let's talk about succession. Let's talk about what happens after. What happens if something happens to this person? So there's a catastrophic succession plan. That means something could happen like that. But then the other one is what I call a planned succession plan, in which you actually have a plan. You don't start with a successor. You start with a plan. You create a preferred profile. I have all that in my book called Planning Your Succession. You create a preferred profile of the person that will be the ideal person. Because see, what most people say is, well, you know, something happens here, he could take over, she could take over. Then you're starting with the person in mind. And anytime you start that conversation, a succession conversation with a person in mind, it's a small conversation because it is focused on that one person. And that is why I ask people all over the world to have a preferred profile. A preferred profile will be, I want this person to be about this age, with this kind of education, this kind of family background, this kind of experience, this kind of perspective, this kind of know-how. A preferred profile, because once you have a preferred profile, now you're not shrinking your conversation, you're expanding your conversation as the kind of people that you want. Everyone has a preferred profile. If you're inviting a guest speaker to, to come and speak to your organization, you have a preferred profile as to what this person needs to bring to you. And because you have a preferred profile, you invite this person. I'm just saying to you, you need to write it out, put in the plan, and have a succession plan. Because what happens when, if and when I am not here? That was number nine. Number 10. Question, what are we doing that sets us apart from other great organizations? What is it that we are doing that sets us apart from other great organizations? And the word there is uniqueness. Uniqueness. What sets us apart? Years ago, many, many years ago, I read a book by a gentleman by the name of Seth Godin called The Purple Cow. Purple Cow. It really revolutionized my thinking. And this is what he says in there. You have to buy that book and read it. This is what it says. If you're driving to the countryside, you see a white cow, you keep on driving. A brown cow, you keep on driving. A black cow, you keep on driving. A palomino cow, you keep on driving. 
But if you were to see a purple cow, what will you do? You're going to stop? You're going to take your phone out? You're going to take a picture? You might even take a selfie? And then what are you going to do? You're going to put it on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your Snapchat. You're going to email it. You're going to show it to everybody. You're going to WhatsApp it to somebody. You're going to text it to somebody. You get the picture. You, you, because something was purple, it was unique. And because it was unique, you didn't have to buy advertisement. It was advertised for you. So the question is, what is it that we do in our organization that is new? Do you know what is unique about your organization? No, 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 no. I, I know you say we are friendly. Everybody says that. Uh, you say, well, we are responsive. Everybody says that. Have you measured it? Do you have the data behind it? Do you know what is really unique about you and the organization that you are leading? Because it is that purpleness. Uh, yeah, so so it may, yeah, let's stop right there and ask ourselves, what is purple about your organization? What is so different that it takes you back, wants you to take a selfie and put it out there? What's unique about you? Number 11. Do my people know my inner compass? That means your core values. Do your people know your core values? How do people know your core values? Because you've got to talk about it. How do people know what makes you laugh out loud? What makes you thump the table? What makes you frothing mad? What makes you joyful in your life? What exhilarates you? What discourages you? If people don't know your core because you haven't told them, then don't blame them. For example, let me, let me give you an example from my own life. I do leadership. That's my core. Uh, if you were to take an organization, at the top being the executive leader, the senior pastor, the CEO, and you were to do a pyramid and the bottom would be whatever you want the bottom to be in your organization, so for me, my core value is working with the top two. I work with the CEO, the lead pastor, and the executive team. Everything be beneath that, I can do, but that does not plug into my core. Because you see, uh, my core is just what I talk about all the time. What I'm talking to you right now. I write books about it. I travel, speak at conferences. I consult with organizations. All that is because of my core. And I talk about it. You go to my website, samchan.com, you're gonna see it over there. Everywhere I go, I want to be known as the leadership guy. Your core. Number 12. How are we going to fund this vision? How are we going to fund this vision? Let's talk about funding. Funding is never about money. I'm going to say that again. Funding is never about money. 
funding is always about people. Some people at a bank, some people in your church, some people in your volunteer donor base, it'll be people who will fund your vision. So it is not about fundraising, it is about friend raising. Let me say that again. It's not about fundraising, it's about friend raising. If the only time your banker ever sees you is when you're out there looking for a loan for your church, looking for a loan for your business, that is not friend raising. You know what? Let, let me make a suggestion. Uh, my, my friend, Dr. Gerald Brooks, talks about this. And he talks about how he builds relationships with banks. How for years he would take the audit report of his church, the CPA audit report, make an appointment with the banker, sit down with the banker, give a copy of that audit to the banker, go over the audit with the banker, because then the banker understands that this pastor understands the complexities and the ramifications of the, of the audit, that the banker knows, the pastor knows the business of the business, and they have a relationship, a professional relationship, but a relationship. So when it is time to go and leverage your resources for higher resources, you're not walking there and nobody knows you, but you are known at the highest level in that organization. Why? Because you understand it is not about funding, it is about friending. Years ago, I had a little sticky note. It is still in my desk drawer. It is pink. It is filthy dirty because it stayed on my desk. Little sticky note. And it reminded me day after day. And this is what it said and still says. It's not about resources. It's about resource fullness. It's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness. It's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness. The question was, how are we going to fund this vision? And I'm saying to you, it's not about funding. It's about friending. It's not about uh, resources, about resourcefulness. It is about knowing that ultimately it will be our people. I know God, not good English, but our people who's going to help you with your resources needed for your vision. Number 13. Here's a longer question, but a shorter sentence after that. Longer question. How do we incorporate new people into leadership regardless of the resistance of the present leadership? Let me give that to you again. How do we incorporate new people into leadership, regardless of the resistance from present leadership? And the sentence behind it is just one word, assimilation. Assimilation. In my book, Futuring, I talk about two kinds of people, natives and immigrants. 
natives who have been in your organization, immigrants who are just hired into your organization, natives who have uh, uh, had longevity and seniority in your organization, and natives that you are just trying to hire into your organization or bring on as volunteers. And there's always a culture clash between natives, this is how we always done it, and immigrants. Why don't we think of doing it another way? So, when you bring in new leadership, expect resistance from older leadership because their mantra is, we know more than you. We've been here longer than you do. We understand the complexities more than you do. We have relationships and you don't. So the greatest challenge for you as a leader is, how do you bring in new talent, new volunteers, new workers, new employees, even new consultants and coaches into your organization and assimilate them into your organization? Because the resistance, uh, think about resistance. If you're standing on a beach, you're standing on a beach and you see the frothing ocean. So two things are going on. There's a wave coming in and a wave going out. When the two waves meet and collide, that is where you have the frothing. So the frothing in your organization is those who have been there, those who are coming in, and how do they assimilate with each other. So never take it for granted that I have this person and everybody's gonna fall in love with them and are going to go along with uh, the new way of thinking and I go along with all the questioning and the interrogation and the introspection and all that goes with that. You as a leader have to step in there, be the onboarder and make sure that assimilation at the highest level is happening in their life. So let me, let me quickly review with you. We started with what happens if and, if and when I'm not here and the word there was succession. Number 10 was what are we doing that sets us apart from great organizations and the answer there was uniqueness. Uh, we talked about under 11, do my leaders know my inner Compass, my core values was the sentence behind it. Number 12 was how are we going to fund this vision? And the answer there was resources. Number 13, how do we incorporate new people into leadership regardless of resistance from the present leadership? And the, the word there was assimilation. Number 14, do my people know all they need to know about processes, systems, and protocols. Do my people know all they need to know about how this place works? Do my people know how to listen? Do my people know how to incorporate new ideas? Do my people know how to bring about solutions? So there are two words that are thrown around in leadership circles and in organizational leadership. Effectiveness, efficiency. Efficiency, effectiveness. Let me break them down for you. MBA 101, right over here. Efficiency is internal, effectiveness is external. Efficiency is what nobody sees, but it's happening behind that wall. Effectiveness is what you are going to get in front of you. So, 
Efficiency is, are your emails being returned? Efficiencies are, are phone calls being returned? Efficiencies are, are people getting followed up on? Efficiencies are, so what happens with the assignments? Efficiencies are internal inside the organization. Effectiveness is what everybody else gets to see. For example, when you go to a grocery store, because there's something on the shelf that means it is effective. But how many of you know efficiency started way back there? Efficiencies had to be in the, in the factory. Efficiency had to be when it is moved from the product, moved from the factory to the warehouse. Efficiency has to be how the warehouse then goes to distribution centers. Efficiency has to be how if, uh, distribution centers get it to the grocery stores. Efficiency has to be how the people at the grocery store then put it on the shelf. Efficiencies. And every one of them has back office working in it. Effectiveness is when you walk out with that product in your hand. So everybody wants a, your product in somebody else's hands. But unless you have strong efficiencies on the inside, you will not have great effectiveness on the outside. Organizations don't grow from the outside in, organizations grow from the inside out. If you're not efficient on the inside, you will not be effective on the outside. So I'm talking to you about a one, one simple question. Do people know the protocols? Do people know how everything's tied together? Do people know how to connect the dots? Do people know how this affects this? Do people know when I don't return this phone call, that means this is going to happen. Just this last week, I was reading uh, an interesting article about a college in the United States, a college that's going out of business. Enrollment plummeted. Programs started falling away. And part of the story said this. Now listen to this carefully. Part of the story said that at this college, at this university, over a period of three years, over 3,000 applications were sent in by prospective students, but those envelopes were never opened. Those envelopes were never opened. Imagine that for a minute. This wasn't a high-paid person. This was some administrative assistant whose job it was to pick up the mail, get the mail that goes to the registrar's office, the application office, enrollment, whatever it might be at that university, open the envelope, take out the application, make a stack in some kind of a protocol manner, and move the application further down for approval, disapproval, deferment, whatever the outcome might be. But this Business of a university is going out of business. Not because they were not effective, but because somebody, a low-paid person, was inefficient in opening envelopes. Everybody wants to see that shiny toy in the showroom, on the platform, in the lobby, but it's what nobody sees that will determine the outcome of your future. So, stress in success, if you're leading an organization, you're saying to yourself, are we efficient?
before we can get effective. Number 15. Do I have the leaders who can take our vision to the next level? Do I have the leaders that can take the vision to the next level? And the answer there is leadership depth. Leadership depth. Most organizations, after the first and second level, become hollow. There's not enough depth there to percolate up to the top. You see leadership depth only at one moment in your organization, in a moment of crisis. Listen to me leaders, listen to me real carefully. When you're going through a tough time in your organization, take good notes as to who rises to the level. There'll be some who will run. There'll be some who will gossip about it, hunker down and wait it out. But there'll be those few who will come alongside you, pick it up and move it further up the road. Keep good notes of who is with you, not just for you, who is with you in a moment of crisis because that tells you if you have the people to take you to the next level. Now, every organization is going to have a crisis. Every organization is going to go through tough times. I'm talking about stress in success. You will have those dips, the big ravines and valleys. But you'll also have great successes. And you will know the leadership depth of your organization, not at the mountaintop, but who is with you in the valley. Keep good notes of who was there with you. I just got three more to go. Number 16. Question. What do we do next? And the answer, strategic planning. What do we do next? And the answer is strategic planning. Not tactical planning, strategic planning. Strategic planning thinks of different questions altogether. For example, a strategic planner will ask about sustainability, will ask about scalability, will all ask about functionality, will ask about communicability. They're, they're gonna ask different sets of questions. If I was to come to your staff meeting, to your organizational meeting, my guess is that most of your meetings are not strategic, they are tactical. Tactical is what are we going to do, when are we going to do it, who's going to do it, how much is it going to cost, where are we going to do it, how are we going to do it, who's going to be invited to it. Those are tactical questions. Strategic questions are what are we going to do, what are we going to do. Strategic questions are, what is our win if we were to do this? Strategic questions are, if we didn't do it, what difference would that make? Strategic questions think about totally different set of thinking. So most meetings are tactical. Most meetings are fixing yesterday what went wrong. This happened, that happened, this person didn't do that, that person didn't do that. So we end up talking about back then. But that's not strategic, that's just tactical stuff. Strategic. Questions are, we did it last year. Why are we doing it again? 
What was our win last year? What were our losses last year? Do we have the capacity to take it over the top this year? Do we have the human capacity to make it happen? Strategic planning is very different from tactical thinking. So, the question was, what do we do next? Start thinking, planning strategically. Let me give you number 17 and 18 together. 17 is, do my people know I'm on assignment? And 18 is, what will I leave behind? And the answers are destiny and legacy. Let's talk about those. Destiny and legacy. I want you to know as a leader, you are born with destiny. And as a leader, you want to leave a legacy. Destiny is a magnet that draws you. Once you know what you were built for, everything becomes easy. Once you know who you are, not what you do, but who you are, everything changes about your life. But let me focus on the last one, legacy. Now, legacy is different from inheritance. Inheritance is what you will leave behind. Legacy is who will you leave behind. Inheritance is stuff, buildings, cars, houses, land, yachts, planes, stocks, money. But how many of you know all that will be spent, burnt, demolished, rot, go away? That's inheritance. Nothing wrong with that. That's inheritance. Legacy is who are you going to leave behind? I want to suggest to you, you can leave both behind. Knowing that you have a destiny, you start focusing on leaving an inheritance, but even more, leaving a legacy. When I die, I want to be remembered. But more than that, I want to be missed. I want my clients to say, ah, man, I wish I could talk to Sam. I wish my people all over the world that I worked with would say, ah, I, need, I want to talk to Sam. I need a Sam Chan fix. That's what I hear all the time. People call me or email me saying, I need a Sam Chan fix. I want to be remembered, yeah. But I want to be missed because I want to leave a legacy and so can you.